0: This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast, where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. So today's episode is an interview. Uh, I was interviewed on The Tom Woods Show. And you can find out uh, more about Tom Woods at tomwoods.com. He has a very, very large following. Um, I think he does a podcast every day, I think. I'm pretty sure he does. Um, So he's just cranking out stuff. He writes books. He has uh, all kinds of activities going on. So check out TomWoods.com. And without further ado, here is the interview.
1: Isaac, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's great to be here.
1: I've been wanting to have you on for quite some time, and I decided that finally now was the time, and the reason I thought now was the time is that uh, last week I did an episode with a physician in Wichita, Kansas, Josh Umber, and he runs a kind of a a monthly fee-based health service that does not use insurance, and it does not take government payments. It's just cash payment, and once you've made your payment for the month, you get to enjoy all the different benefits of your membership. And he is able to hold costs down to such a degree that it's almost laughable. You, you feel like this guy, single-handedly, has just solved the healthcare care problem. <laughs> well, I got such a tremendous response to that episode, and the reason I got it was that overwhelmingly people were saying, we love your episodes where we talk about theory and about how a free society can work. But we really like your episodes where you show us how it works through real-life examples of people who, in our imperfect system, have taken the bull by the horns and said— we're going to give this a try instead of sitting around waiting for the whole world to become perfect. Let's try and fix one part of life right now. And I feel like that's what you've done with Praxis. Am I overselling it?
0: Oh, no, no, not at all. And you know, it's funny. There's two things about that, that setup there that stuck out to me. One is uh, one of the primary motivations for, for launching Praxis was to get from theory into uh, practice. I'm, I love theory. I'm a big you know, uh, econ nerd. I, I love Austrian economics. I love studying philosophy. But I got to a point where I was tired of just arguing and theorizing about how the world might look better and the way things should be done in higher education. And I thought, okay, if my ideas have any validity and merit to them, Uh, Then there's value to be created. There's there's an opportunity in the marketplace, and so moving it was a very deliberate choice of I want to try to change the world not just through arguments alone, which are important, but through experiences, creating alternative experiences for people that let them see how things could be better uh, even here and now without waiting for you know sort of institutions to change. And and the second thing you said about healthcare is really interesting because in my own uh, undergraduate experience. One of the one of the epiphanies I had, which sort of uh, m- many years later led to me launching Praxis was at college, I did not feel like a customer. And I asked myself, I felt like no one cared. The professors didn't care if I was happy. The bureaucrats didn't care if I was happy. There was no accountability. The relationship between the consumer and the producer of the good was so messed up. Like it was they weren't there to serve me. I didn't feel like. And I asked myself. What other industry is like this? I mean, you know, you know, you go to buy a sandwich or hire a plumber or whatever it is, they want to serve you and make you happy and they're accountable to you. And the only other industry I could think of was healthcare, outside of like, you know, the, the government itself, DMV or something. And, and, and for the same reason, because in both industries, there's so many layers in between the consumer and the producer. Usually it's a third party paying and that third party might be subsidized by taxpayers or some fourth party. And so the doctors, like they never tell you about what price it is. They don't even know the cost of things. They don't really care. They're just sort of churning it out because you're not the one they have to please. They have to please the insurance companies who have to please the government. And that's what it was like in college too. And I felt like there's got to be a way to create accountability between the producers of education and the consumers. And you got to just cut out all these middlemen that are, that are mucking up the incentive. So yes, I think that's a great way to sort of uh, talk about what, I, what we're doing with Praxis
1: i definitely want to talk about how it's been going over the years but i I want to start with basically what it is and then i want to know what your inspiration for it was how you got the idea for it in other words what you've done here is you've tried to establish something that is an alternative to the standard predictable everybody does it uh cookie cutter mold of what you do after you graduate from high school. We all know that you go off to college for four years and you sit in some lecture halls and you get a degree in whatever and then you get out of there and you cross your fingers. And you wanted to give an uh an alternative to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the program is it's a one year program. And it's for 18 to 25 year olds. A lot of people do it right out of high school instead of college. Some people have a few years of college under their belt and they realize it's just not doing anything for them or they're not sure if they want to complete it. And then some people do it even after graduating because they feel like all they've got is debt and and a sweatshirt. Uh, They don't have a lot of skills. They don't know where to go next. So it's a one year program where we place participants with Um, businesses, primarily startups or growing small businesses, the kind of places where they can't, they're not just sitting in a cubicle farm with like a hundred other interns doing make work. It's, it's real, you know, five to 50 person companies typically real work and they're working 30 hours a week there at their business partner. Um, doing, you know, kind of seeing what it takes to run a company and all the aspects involved in business, and then they're doing about 20 hours a week of really rigorous, intensive, um, professional development uh, education in everything from liberal arts to really nuts and bolts business and digital skills. They're building a website and everything, and in, in, in these sort of monthly challenges, they kind of break down what they're what they're learning and what they're doing in these monthly. Uh, professional development projects, we call them. And they have praxis advisors that are working with them with one-on-one coaching and things like that. But everything in the educational side of it, it's all geared towards outcomes and tangible demonstrations of value. Because the, the the big thing that very few people talk about is that the reason people keep buying the degree is because it's a signal. That's really what they're buying is a signal to employers that I'm better than someone who doesn't have a degree, supposedly. I'm I'm sort of better than average. And that's really it. That's why they're paying all the money. It's not all the other things that they may or may not enjoy about the experience. And so rather than saying, you know, trusting, oh, I got a 3.5 GPA from this university, therefore you should hire me. We're telling them, show, don't tell. We have tools available to us today that we never did before. Instead of just telling people, I understand marketing because I got a degree in it, uh, which is pretty hard to believe anyway, um, show them, hey, I created this website. I created this Facebook page for this company, and I got 3,000 followers with only this much money. Here's something tangible that I've done that demonstrates my skills and knowledge. So We really focus in this 12 months on getting that experience in the real world at these great business partners, and really figuring out what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, and finding ways to demonstrate the knowledge and skills that you have to the broader world. All right, really quick, what year did you open your doors? So we started in 2013, in fall of 2013.
1: Okay, so I heard about it, I think, right at the beginning. And I thought to myself, the key will be, how do you go from ground zero To getting, I I could see starting off. I could see being in a position where you have 20 people who are interested, and then you eventually you get 60, and eventually you get 100. But starting from zero and getting to a positive number is hard because I would think you're dealing with the catch 22. People don't want to sign up with you unless they see your track record, but you can't get a track record unless people sign up with you. How did you get over that?
0: Incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging. And really, I mean, we've, we just launched our fourth class and really, um, we're just kind of each class has gotten a little bit easier, but we're just getting to the point where there's enough demonstrated value from some of our graduates and our current participants that people can sort of look at the product itself and examine whether or not it works. But before that, I mean, it was really going on the strength of, um, you know, kind of my own personal networks and the, the sort of goodwill I had built up over the years. I'd worked with a lot of high school students and college students and, and saying, look, it's one year you're going to have this great experience working at a company. They'll probably want to hire you afterwards. No guarantees, right? There's no guarantees that a college degree is going to get you a job either. Um, but it's one year. It's a break-even proposition cost-wise because what you're paying in tuition uh, equals what you get paid from the business that you're working with. And you know, um, I kind of tried to, to to find those people who, they were so frustrated and bored with the classroom that they wanted something different anyway. And, they, you know, unlike maybe a, a sort of a founder of a company in a romantic sense, a Mark Zuckerberg or something, they, they didn't have an idea to go start their own company yet. But they had this kind of itch to be a little bit entrepreneurial, to not just sort of follow rules and clock in and clock out. Um, and so saying, let, let me let me give you this cool job right now. Why are you going to sit in the classroom for four, two, three more years, whatever it might be, in hopes that you get a job at a cool digital marketing company? I'll give you one right now. And you've got a year To prove yourself there and get some experience. And so we were able to get in our first class, just six people to to jump on board and and take the plunge. Um, And that was, I mean, that was scratching and clawing uh, for everyone. It was a huge challenge, but we did it. So what kind
1: of companies are we talking about that people would get involved in via Praxis?
0: Yeah, it's a really diverse range in terms of the industries, um, but the traits that we look for, the kind of companies we really look for are, they're smaller. As I said, they tend to be five to 50 person. We've had some companies that might even have a a few thousand employees, but they might have a division within the company that's sort of very autonomous and has maybe 50 employees in it. so smaller places, places where the founder is still actively involved, uh, is something that we we really really push for. And companies that are growing companies—they're dynamic, they're growing, they're trying to, um, you know, take on new markets and, and acquire new customers. So, in other words, it wouldn't be, let's say, a barber shop on the corner that just is kind of a steady business day in, day out. Um, more like, uh, you know, whether it's a, a manufacturing company—we even have some manufacturing companies—or uh, we have a lot of marketing companies, web design companies, places in the in the technology space. Um, places that are that are growing and building and they have that dynamic energy. And, and and finally, places where the participant is sort of gonna get to see every aspect of what it takes to run a business. And if you've got 10 or 15 employees, that's pretty much gonna happen. I mean, you're gonna get to see what the finance department does and what the sales team does and um, kind of all the aspects of, of running a company. So those are our ideal business partners. And I tell you what, Tom, they are so hungry for talent, one of the one of the things that led me to to launch this thing was talking with so many entrepreneurs and, and business owners who said, "Yeah, I don't care what they say about the economy, the unemployment rate. I'm always hiring. I just can't find any good talent." And then there's all these kids saying, "I've got a degree, but there's no jobs out there." <laughs> well, something right. is amiss here. So, all right. So, I want to know
1: what would be. Maybe a favorite case study of yours that you can share with us—a a real success story—if somebody went through the program and it was great, and both the company and the participant thought it was great.
0: Yeah, one of my favorites from our very first class. Uh, and this guy—he was—he was so excited to to take a chance on us, just like we were to take a chance on him. And and I should say that it's it's a really competitive application process, about 15% of applicants get accepted because we really, we really need people who have that grit and determination and willingness to work hard and learn um, because we can't send duds to these companies and and burn bridges. Um, So Mitch Broderick was his name and he, um, I met him at a, at a conference and I was talking about sort of entrepreneurship as a way to change the world that, you know, and especially in libertarian circles, it's, it's pretty common now to, uh, thankfully, hear the message that look, politics is not really the the way to change the world. It's more of a lagging indicator. You know, you need to go into the realm of ideas, and I'm a huge supporter of that. But I wanted to bring this other uh, this other notion that entrepreneurship is. Equally important to change the world, and I gave you know the example of, of Uber, for example. Instead of just just talking about how taxi cartels are inefficient or immoral, uh, create an alternative. And so I give this talk, and I and I meet this this guy afterwards, and he says, "Look, I've been I've been in college for uh, two years, and I'm just kind of bored and frustrated with it." Um, I got my real estate license. I just I want to do something on my own. I'm not really sure what. Real estate was the only thing with a low enough sort of barrier to entry. Um, I'm the best employee at every job that I've had, but I'm bored. And that's a really typical thing with our participants. They they tend to win in whatever environment they're in. They do well in school. They do well at their jobs, but they're bored with it. They want something different. And he said, I not only want to do the program, I want to be. One of the first people in the first class, I want to do the program before it's proven because I want to help prove the value of this program. And uh, and I thought that was just a really great, a really great sort of risk taking mentality. He's like, I'm young. I've got nothing to lose. So so he got accepted and we placed him with a company. He was from Michigan down here in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, where, where I live currently. And it's a company that does um, they they help entrepreneurs and business owners publish books as sort of a marketing tool for their company. So whether if you're a financial planner, you might publish a book um, about financial planning and use that as a way to sort of get more customers and really well, really well run company, excellent reputation called Advantage Media. And uh, I sent them over his his profile because I, I knew the, the founder of the company. And he said, okay, talk to my HR person. I, I'd love to host one of your participants. So I said, hey, here's this guy. She said, okay, well, we'll put him through our, our regular process just to vet him. And he called me that day and he said, hey, I don't think this is going to work. I said, why not? He said, because I went online to their application and it wouldn't let me proceed because I don't have a degree. And it said that was one of the requirements of the job. And I said, don't worry about it. Email the HR person say, just remember me, I'm with Praxis. And she said, okay, we'll waive that part. And the guy had told me we have a really rigorous screening process, especially because it was a sales role, and that's a very hard job. And he's like, this guy just blew it out of the water. He was amazing. So they brought him on at the company during the during the program, and he's doing his 30 hours a week there, uh, making the $10 an hour. Which you know we we do that because it allows the companies to get somebody at a really a really low cost and kind of you know get them to say, hey, we'll bite because this is a low risk for us. And He absolutely, I mean, he had some struggles throughout here and there in the program. I mean, going from uh, basically an academic environment where you're just kind of sitting around following rules all the time to uh, a very intense uh, high growth sales environment was definitely a challenge, but he really rose to the challenge. They offered him a full-time position. He is now the VP of sales there. Only a few months after the program ended, he was promoted to VP of sales. And he told me just uh, last week, that he just finished his best month and closed like $204,000 worth of sales there. And he's got no degree, he absolutely loves his job, he loves what he's doing there. Um, And it really, he said, you know, my friends are still finishing college and they're all so so irritated and so jealous. I'm living in this beautiful city, I'm doing something I love, I'm making great money. Uh, So that's that's really a story that's um, a great example of I think what the program can be.
1: If I were to be accepted into Praxis, are the companies that I would be paired up with going to be far from my home? Do I have to relocate for a year?
0: It depends. So, in the application itself, there's a, a section that says, you know, are you uh, do you have any geographical restrictions? And we find that most of our applicants. They really want to seize on this experiment, this, this, or this, uh, experience, um, and get the most out of it. And most of them say they don't have any geographical restrictions. They're willing to go wherever the best match is. And we really work hard in our network to make matches that really suit them well, suit their skills and interests. Probably 20, 10 to 20% of applicants uh, say, Hey, look, maybe if they're really young, Hey, I'm 18, I'm still living at home. I don't have the cash to, to be living somewhere else. Um, or, you know, I've got uh, family reasons here. I've got a, a family member that's ill maybe and I have to stay in a certain area. So I have a geographical restriction to the Midwest or to a particular city. And our business network is robust enough to where we're, we're pretty much always able to accommodate that and work with them to find a business partner um, where they need to be. And we, we like to cluster participants together, too. We have several in Austin right now, for example. We have two in Pittsburgh that are uh, rooming together to sort of save costs and to create that camaraderie.
1: When you speak in terms of a class, that you had six people in your first class, do you mean that this program kind of gets started at the same time every year, or are you always starting people in jobs at any particular time of the year?
0: Yeah, when we first launched, we just did two classes a year, one that would begin in February and one in September, um, so that the participants would be kind of – going through the curriculum, the educational experience together at the same time with their group discussions and things like that. We've actually moved because of demand from both participants and business partners to where um, we now do classes. We launch classes every month. So um, any month that we have uh, participants and business partners that um, you know are, are, are qualified and want to do it, we will launch a new class every month. So we cluster them together um, at least monthly and that makes it it makes it really nice for them to kind of have that shared experience because, you know, you go through the, you're moving to a new city, you're starting a new job. At first you have sort of the honeymoon phase, everything's exciting, and then you kind of hit the dip. You go through these, these cycles and it's really nice when they can be doing that together and going through some of the educational components at the same time.
1: Are you envisioning this as a supplement to the traditional university education somebody might have, or is this more subversive? Are, are you really trying to give people a full-fledged alternative to that experience?
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more subversive. I mean, the way that we, you know, if you go to discoverpraxis.com, our website, you know, you'll see it's not like the branding, the marketing, the language. It's not like a, an attack on college. I'm not really interested in whether or not college is a good idea. That's If college is a part of of your journey and you want that or you need it for some reason, that's fine. I'm interested in, I want to create a better way to get you from where you are to a career in life that you want to have. And I think for most people, for most people, you do the Praxis program and you realize that college just doesn't add anything to you. We had a number of people who intended to do it as a gap year program prior to college or do it as a break and then return. And we've had several um, of them who just, afterwards they were like, why do I need to go to college at all? You know, this is just, I already have, I just got a job offer. I'm already working in what I love. I got the whole purpose. I was going to school was to get a job because I was so scared. Everyone told me I'd never be able to succeed without a degree here. I am succeeding. So in my mind, I don't ever want to define ourselves purely in terms of, uh, some other product. I don't want to define us as we are the competition to college. I want to define us as our own unique product. That being said though, um, Really, this is about rethinking that the conveyor belt mindset is what I call it, where you just plopped on and you're just moved along through K through 12 and then through college. And it's really based on your age and your ability to follow rules. I mean, that's about it. And and then you just sort of spit out and you're supposed to get a job, even if you get one. And even if you go to an elite school and do really well and you get a, quote, good job at Goldman Sachs or something, most of those people end up really unhappy. And they've got all this debt, so they have to maintain a certain standard of living. They have to work a job that pays them enough. And they might hate that job. I mean, lawyers are notorious for this. They, they hate being lawyers, but they've got to be a lawyer because it's the only thing that pays enough to pay back their debt. And what we're trying to say is, hold on, you've got so many more options out there. And if you assess this when you're you know, 18, 17, whatever it is, assess it like you would any other good. This idea that college deserves no scrutiny, that you just do it, no matter what else you do, if you go to college, you'll be better off somehow. It's so absurd. I mean, Tom, if I said to you, hey, I think all 18-year-olds, no matter what else they do, would be better off taking out a 30 grand loan for a brand new pickup truck. It's just good for everyone. You'd be like, well, that's stupid, right? I mean, each person needs to assess their own situation. And that's really what, what this is all about. It's assess your own individual situation. I mean, are there people for whom college is a great fit? Well, certainly, potentially. I mean, if you want to do something that like legally requires a degree, for example, um, then yeah, you've got to go get that degree. But if you're going to do it, at least know why you're doing it, at least know what it is you, you want to demand as a customer. What do you want to get out of that experience and make sure you're getting it? And I think the best way to know if you need that is to go into the working world and see, oh, I guess I re- I've seen what it's like. I really want to be a CPA for example. Uh, well, unfortunately, legally, you have to get a degree. So now, you know, okay, I'm going to go get my accounting degree and I know why I'm doing it. I've seen it. I know what I want to be. I know what I want to do. Um, and you're more of an informed consumer. So, I mean, in my, in my mind, uh, college is just a really, really inefficient, expensive, cumbersome, time-consuming, I mean, ridiculously high opportunity cost way of getting a signal that says I'm a decent person you should hire me and that signal is declining in value and the number of other ways to signal that to the world is increasing and we want to help you seize the opportunities available in that new world
1: now obviously not everybody is going to be a, a shining success so not everybody's gonna be a success story but that's true of college too we have a tremendous number of dropouts in college and nobody says well this guy didn't succeed so therefore the whole college model should be chucked in the trash but, but presumably you've had some people where it just didn't quite work out. But do you say to yourself, well, okay, it took them a year to figure out that it didn't work out instead of four years, and now they've got a hundred grand in debt?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we've had we've had a, a few people that in the program it was just too it was just too hard to be in a position where they're working and they're kind of in the real world and they weren't ready for the real world. One one of them uh, early participants said, I love, I love the program. I love what it's all about. I love everything about it. I just realized like, I just want to goof off a little bit. I (laughs) want, I want to go, I want to go not be an adult for a little while longer. Um, so this just isn't for me. And I think that's a fine realization. I mean, at least she discovered that in a way that, you know, she didn't walk away with any debt or anything like that. Um, so I absolutely agree. I mean, this idea that, you know, college is a place for self-discovery. Self-discovery is wonderful. Um, I don't see any reason why it has to take four, actually four years is, is pretty, pretty low that the four-year graduation rate, I think only like 40% of college, um, students graduate in four years, um, at least four years and 50, 60, a hundred grand. Uh, sitting in cinder block walled you know classrooms with fluorescent lights. I, I don't know how that's the best way to discover yourself <laughs> versus getting out and engaging in the world. So yeah, it's not at all about a guarantee. It's not at all about you know, if you do this, you will have you know two and a half kids and a puppy and a house and a secure income. It's about given the alternatives around you. What is the best use of one year you can think of? How are you going to get the skills, knowledge, confidence, uh, self-knowledge as well, network, experience that are going to help you get to where you want to be? What's the best way you could do that? And really, we've tried to put together a package that I think does that really well.
1: Now, you're still a very, very young company, so I assume we're dealing with still somewhat small numbers. People will probably want to know what kind of numbers are we talking about? How many people are actively engaged in the program as of this moment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very, very small. So our first class was six. Our next two classes were both eight uh, participants. And then our class that just launched um, this fall is, uh, well, 13 13 participants in the fall, and we'll probably add three or four more um, before the, the year closes out. And you know, my my sort of goal is to to build on that. We wanted to sort of start really exclusive and build slowly for three, four classes, and really refine the product, the the process of placing people at business partners, of going through this, um, and and build systems that we can scale. And I think we're just about there to where we really we really want to push to grow aggressively. I mean, you know, there there are twenty million college students out there. Um, I'll take one percent. <laughs> yeah really even a tenth of a percent a- absolutely fantastic absolutely. yeah now
1: how many I mean are you able to say something about percentages in terms of how many of these people who are actively searching for a job in the industry they've been placed in are getting a job either with the specific company they've been working with or at least in that industry how has that been going
0: yeah it's gone very very well so um, we have just had the two the two classes that have graduated um, and and Everyone in those classes had a job offer, uh, either from their business partner or another company, or in some cases, um, a few of them went to start their own, uh, went to start their own business. Um, one of them got hired by a different business partner, not the one that they were working at, which is another benefit because we have this great network. We have all this knowledge of, of, these young people, their skills and their talent, and this great network of business partners. Um, so we can, we can help them, um, find jobs at other, other companies in our network after the program. Um, a few, one decided to, um, to go back to school and finish her degree, um, I'm trying to think here I, i'm a little bit my my dad is a little bit out of date with some of our alumni keeping up on them but but bottom line all of them when they finished the program were in a place where they could if they chose to and most of them did uh take a job with their business partner or another company um in our network so it i mean it's really gone very very well very small sample size um but to me if you can get through our application process get into the program and go work at one of these companies, you know, for the year. That's basically like a year-long chance to demonstrate your value. And if if you're incapable of demonstrating your value uh, to them or another business in our network in that amount of time, um, you know, I, I, to, to me, like I, I think it's a very very low chance that that's that that's going to occur. I think I think it's a pretty it's a pretty easy proposition. It's like, hey, you've got a year-long interview. Uh, do your thing. You know, <laughs> you've got some leeway. You've got some ability to to work here and to to get better over time.
1: I know you were at one time with the Institute for Humane Studies, and they're very good with multimedia, so you probably are way ahead on this. But nevertheless, it seems to me the obvious two-and-a-half-minute video that you make involves case studies or involves just snippets of people who have been successful talking about their great experiences. Then you have some fake footage of them supposedly working and (laughs) so on and on, and then nice music, and then it's you at the end, and bang! I mean, that's, that, the video makes itself.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's actually, a am gr- gr- glad you brought that up. So we made, our, we made our first marketing video when the first class just started. And so we're sort of talking about, um, you know, we're showing them at their workplaces and things like that and talking about the program. But we didn't have any completed, um, you know, any graduates yet. And now that we do... We haven't, we need to get, get on some some really high quality video content for that. And we are we're just starting to put some of that together. Um, but we have done a lot of that sort of documenting that on our blog. We have a um, discoverpraxis.com/slash blog where we, we post something new like five days a week or more, and we have a lot of profiles of participants, what they're doing now, um, they got hired at their business partner, some of the projects they completed during the program, some of those success stories, and we've really been working to incorporate those more. Because like you said, when we started, it was just going from zero and it was more, hey, <laughs> the idea itself is great. Um, but now we have those stories and we're really trying to, to put those together and focus on that more. Because because when we do, I mean, people love it. They're just, it's really scary for people to, to do something they haven't seen somebody else do and succeed at. And so just to be able to show Hey, look, you know, this guy was 18 and he did this right out of high school and he ended up getting hired. One of our participants, um, worked at BitPay, a Bitcoin company, a startup in uh, Atlanta and they hired him on full time. And this guy is, you know, working the, the job of his dreams and he's, you know, he, he's 18. He can barely grow whiskers. Of course, I can't barely grow whiskers either, but, um, <laughs> maybe age doesn't have to do it. But anyway, it's, um, it is, it is really powerful to be able to tell those stories.
1: Well, I have a decent number of younger folks who listen, and I also have people who may have children who are round about the age that you're targeting. So I would say to them, if any of this intrigues you at all, you might as well check out discoverpraxis.com. Have a look at it. See if it may be something for you and, you know, it, it may be not only just something for you, maybe it's the very thing that sets you on the path that, you know, your life is destined to go on. So definitely check this out. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't get to?
0: No, I just, I, I think that um, one of the things we talk a lot about is, and I know I've heard you talk about this on your show, discussing sort of entrepreneurship. It's very sexy right now. Um, and, you know, you've got Shark Tank and all this stuff going on in Silicon Valley. But but one of the things we really emphasize is if you are entrepreneurial, and, and I mean that in a broad sense, that doesn't necessarily mean you are going to start your own business now, maybe you won't ever, but you are not satisfied to kind of repeat known processes and do things in the way that they've been done before and just say, well, you know, it's a, it's a safe, it's a safe bet. It's a safe way to live. I can just sort of follow the rules and and get a paycheck or whatever. If you are always looking for ways to improve things, do them differently to kind of be in the driver's seat of your own life, of your own education, um, That's really what Praxis is all about, and I think what we're trying to do, my my education director, uh, TK Coleman, likes to say we are pioneers of the inevitable. I think what we're trying to do is help people recognize that the world is changing whether they want it to or not. And machines and software are better at following rules than humans are, and at doing sort of rote tasks. And we have, and this presents a great opportunity, Uh, I don't think it's something to be afraid of, we have at our fingertips tools that never existed before that allow us to use our uniquely human capabilities of creative problem solving um, and really be whether you're a a contractor or whether you are an employee, but you are kind of working on a project basis or you have a lot of autonomy to be entrepreneurial. And I think if you don't see yourself as your own brand, as your own company, see yourself as an entrepreneur, even if you work for another company and really try to build those attributes going to you're going to struggle you're going to struggle a lot and the conveyor belt mindset um, isn't going to get you very far what 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 you're going to be doing in 20 years probably doesn't exist yet so you need to have the mindset the adaptability and the toolkit to do that and i think the best way is to to get out in the world and get real experience and you know take control of uh, taking advantage of all the resources out there with with online um, learning all the great tools that we've tried to kind of put together in our curriculum and help you, um, help you become an, an entrepreneurial young person. So if that sounds like you, if that appeals to you, definitely check out discoverpraxis.com.
1: All right, very good. Of course, they should do that. I will link to it for people who don't remember the link. Tomwoods.com slash 487 is the show notes page for today. I'll link to that. I'll link also to your podcast. So that stuff will be up permanently on the, the show notes page, Tomwoods.com slash 487. Well, Isaac, best of luck with this, and I appreciate your time today. I hope this continues to be a success and I hope it's a I hope you get that 1% hey, one percent
0: one of these days. You. That's right. Thank you so much, Tom. It was a blast to come on here.